0: let us pray come holy spirit and fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your love and may my words and our hearts together glorify you o oh god our rock and our redeemer amen have you ever experienced a flashback you know what that is it's it's you know you see something you smell something You hear something and it takes you, literally takes you back in time. You lose a sense, you lose your sense of the presence. It disappears. And your mind takes you to a previous time and space. Those who write books and make movies are good at flashbacks. I mean, notice how many movies or TV shows you watch or how many books you read where the author or the playwright or the filmmaker begins introducing the listener to something that has happened in the future, and sometimes you don't even know yet that it's in the future, and then the story flips back, and flips back again to a beginning. I think the writers and the people who put together the uh, revised Common Lectionary have done that for us. Last week, as you know, we went deep into the Gospel of Luke to the moments just prior to Jesus' passion and death. We heard the foreboding words of the coming of the Lord's Day, which we associate with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Or what we learned, Bernard of Clairvaux asserted, was the middle advent, the, not the first advent of the birth of Jesus, nor the last advent of the Lord's Day, but a middle advent in which Jesus comes to us again and again in this present moment. And this week, we move back to near the beginning of the Gospel of Luke, but not quite there yet. You know, it's a flashback, we're flashing back, we're flashing back and forth. And this week, we move back to the ministry of John the Baptist, and why would Luke do that to us? Why would the collectors of the lectionary start with the words of Jesus in the beginning of his passion and then go back to the ministry of John the Baptist that marks the beginning of the ministry of Jesus? Why? Perhaps it is found in the words of the proclamation of John the baptizer, which is, by the way, a look back at the prophet Isaiah. Prepare the way of our God. Clear a straight path, and all humanity shall see the salvation of God. And preparing really is what we do at Advent, isn't it? I mean, we do it for Christmas too. I mean, we're all preparing, putting up lights, decorating, buying gifts or making gifts. I mean, we're all into this preparing thing, but the preparing at Advent invites us to wait and watch. To wait and watch and to be participating in God's realm that we are to clear a straight path so that all can all of humanity can can see the salvation of God. Well, our reading today begins interestingly, doesn't it? In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee and his brother Philip ruler of the region of ituria and Triconidas, and, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Sounds a bit like a list of illnesses to me I mean, particularly Ituria, Trachonitis, and Lysanias. And after listing all these rulers and all these high priests, after listing the principalities of the area of Israel, we get an interesting inclusion. Comma. And a word of God came to John, son of Zechariah. Now, if you blink, you will miss that. If you tune out for one second, you will miss that little addition to that long lineage of rulers and powers and principalities of Jesus' day because we get there the word of God who comes to John, son of Zechariah. I mean, Luke knew very well those who ruled with authority in the region, yet puts John in the high place of the ending of the list. I mean, it's a high ranking to be the last, listed. Now, I know you and I, we don't really care about all those people, we don't know who they are, I mean, maybe Pontius Pilate, and a little bit of Herod, but we don't really know the rest of them. But it comes down to the fact that Luke says the Word of God comes to a know-nothing, camel hair-dressing, bug-eating, mystic. And the Word is a holy revelation that is political, and familial and prophetic. Luke's point is clear, despite appearances, to the contrary, the real power and authority resides neither in the imperial palace nor in the sacred temple. The real power of God is embedded in a scraggly figure alone in the wilderness, preaching repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and so beyond the control of the empire, God is at work in the world. This is Luke's witness that God, in spite of all that it appears to be, is at work in the world. John is preaching repentance. Today, we would, you know, we, we kind of, that repentance thing is hard for us to grasp. But it literally means turning and going the other way. We might call it a change of heart or a change of our lives a complete reorientation. And for John, the visible sign for this change is baptism, an immersion in water that was typically reserved for Gentiles who wanted to convert to Judaism. But John is calling on all the children of Abraham to undergo baptism, that all, that all people, all people require conversion. Not just the Gentiles. All of us. All of us need to be washed in the waters of baptism. John was proclaiming that there was a new day coming. It was at hand right now and urged those present to change their minds, to change their hearts, to change their lives because God is coming near and at least according to John the Baptist, it's not going to be pretty. Now, We don't hear a lot of that because we continue and know the rest of the story. And that Jesus comes with a pretty dramatically different message. John the Baptist preaches repentance and so does Jesus. But the repentance Jesus is speaking about is new relationship with God and with others. At the point of all of this proclamation and baptism was transformation. Yes, forgiveness of sin, but that is transformation. It's not some deal we're cutting to get into heaven. It's about seeking transformation, that the person participating would experience shalom, a Hebrew word that we often translate as peace, but really is so much more than that. It's not simply peace, as in the absence of conflict or discord. Rather, it's the presence of wholeness, It's the presence of freedom. It's about liberation. In the book of Exodus, the Hebrew word for Egypt is Misraim, literally meaning the narrow places. You know, when the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt, they were living in narrow places. It was a place of hostility, resentments, And, you know, the truth is, we all live in narrow places at times. We all know about hostilities today. And sometimes we live with resentments and addictions and apathy and stress and injustice and, well, the list could go on forever. And truly, we need this new exodus that John calls us to. The idea here is to be released from sin, as in the form of being released from captivity or enslavement, just as the Jews were released from their enslavement in the story of Exodus. And like a new Exodus, we, the people of God, can emerge out of the wilderness of polarization and hate and judgment and isolation and heartache and disappointment. And this is God's signature of our salvation. And salvation is not about getting into heaven. It's about transformation and freedom and liberation and peace. These narrow places that we are released from. And when John the baptizer, speaking the words of Isaiah, says, all humanity shall see the salvation of God, that includes the rough and crooked likes of you and me. And our task this Advent is to let a single voice that is not our own have its fierce, clarion say in our lives. That voice will speak to us as it penetrates all of humanity. Our discipline this season, harder than it sounds, is to listen, I guess I should add wait and watch, and listen, allowing our proud, unprotected selves to be exposed and receptive to the word of our God. Will it mean, what would it mean for during this Advent that is such a short season, still, what would it mean for our highs to be lowered and our depths to be raised up and our edges sanded smooth? What will we lose when the promised Savior comes? Well, we are certain to be amended and mended. The question is, will we run toward or away from the coming light? Will we collaborate in our transformation by choice or by God? Either way, one day we will surely be made new. This advent the God God's way is ours to prepare and God's paths are ours to clear. So turn down the noise of this season. Tune yourself to the greater news that God's word of peace and deliverance for all humanity is not only John's to hear. It's not only John's to proclaim. It's not only for Jesus to live and Jesus to proclaim, it's ours as well. We participate in all of this. The message we hear today offered in the voice of John the baptizer, for all humanity is liberation and transformation. And we need to ask ourselves, what is holding us back from becoming living testimonies to God's good news for all creation? When I was a United Methodist, uh, you know, the United Methodists baptized infants, primarily. And I did I baptized a lot of infants. I baptized one infant and the mother thought I was gonna drown her baby. <laughs> I used so much water. Um and then when I got to the Cathedral of Hope, it was a big church, and um and as we have gone further and further, uh seeing people leave the church, uh we're finding that there are more and more adults getting baptized because they weren't baptized as infants. And then they weren't baptized as teenagers. And and I have to tell you that um, it's startling to baptize an adult. Because that adult knows exactly, if we've done our work well, what is happening to them. I cannot tell you the number of adults that I came face to face with whose eyes filled with tears and as they spoke the words of covenant as they acknowledged God's claim on their life and the promise of Jesus in their heart and the coming Holy Spirit to guide them they fell apart. Frequently they were filled with tears both of anticipation, perhaps a bit of anxiety, but with great and profound joy, because something was happening in them. Something was changing within them, and they knew it. And so we baptize children and and infants and adults today, and it can be a startling moment. Of God's grace. I hope the same thing happens as we come to this table. That there is this startling moment of the presence of God, the presence of the living, risen Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't know exactly how, but somehow in this bread and juice, this this gluten free cracker or this sip of wine, is the presence of the living, risen God inviting us into new life. And the birth of Jesus that we anticipate in this season means that once again we remember that one has come to bring peace in the darkness, to release us of being held captive. And on this day and in this holy reading and hearing, the story of the Exodus and the proclamation of John and the birth of Jesus all meet. This is the coming of the light, the light of Jesus Christ, the light of bringing us new life. And that's how we talk about it as Christians, but you know the truth is, God's light comes to all if they will be open to it in whatever manifestation. Because the scripture says that all humanity will see salvation. Thanks be to God. Amen.